and 33 over the same period in 2018 and 92 Ghana cities in 2017 around the same time. Looking at this trend, do you say or do you tell the people of this country that the planting for food and agriculture has brought about stability in the prices of at least maize? There is no planting for food and agriculture in this country. Planting for food and jobs, sorry. Right. Can the, the question be repeated? In an answer to my question, you, when I was talking about that, no, I shouldn't be looking at the group, I should look at food security. And you say that the evidence is there, whether in Aswansi and mentioned so many other places, that, I mean, food security is guaranteed. And I then referred you that, okay, then let's go and look at the security of food. And I'm saying that from 2017, the of maize has moved from 92 Ghana cities to in 2020 December 172 Ghana cities and I'm asking you do you tell the people of this country that that program planting for food and jobs have brought stability and therefore food security to them looking at the jump of over 87 price in the price of maize alone there is a difference between price stability and food security. I think the questioner is mixing the two. The fact that there's not a price stability does not mean there's no food security. And I want to correct that impression. I'm very happy to be educated. Tell me the difference. Mr. Chairman, the honorable member is saying he's a farmer, and he can't distinguish between the two. Honorable, just please tell him the difference. It's not just for him, it's for all of us listening. Please. Price stability is not food security. You can have fluctuations in price, and so your security of food will be rising. That's the difference. Is not one and the same. That that should not be the mistake. Gentlemen, I'm very happy he tells us what food security is. He's the minister of our grid for the past four years. I challenge you tell us what the, food security is. The, the food security is exactly what you are seeing in this country in the last four years, where there's so much food making everybody all food prices down even here at a, uh, uh, in this time where we have a, uh, the, the season of dryness you still have all types of foods and fruits along and i don't think i'm the only witness everybody will bear witness to the fact that you go to all markets rural markets, urban markets, food security is availability of food, is that right? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, all right. Just make it simple. Uh, okay. Mr. it is not just availability. You can never define food security without inputting the price of the commodity. You can't. Sir? By any means possible. If you are going to define food security, a need embedded will be the cost element. 
That's an opinion, uh, Chairman. It is not. Even though we are not going to litigate, because I believe that the good people of this country are listening to the experts. Mr. Chairman, in an earlier answer to a question about AMG, a company that will be supplying fertilizer, I just want to find out from the nominee whether he knows the owner of AMG. This is a personal question. And I'm not prepared to answer personal questions. Honorable Minister, if it is uh, inadmissible, I will rule that it's not admissible. If you know the company, it's a company that works for... Yes, the ministry. The ministry. Do you know any such company? The company doesn't work for the ministry. It is a contractor of the ministry. And there are loads and loads of... Uh, uh, companies that work for the Ministry of Food and Agriculture and they work for Cocoa Board, they work for GDA, Ghana Irrigation Development Authority, they work for CMC, they work for all the uh, institutions under the Ministry of Agriculture. So uh, hundreds and hundreds of business people that we deal with in the office. So that's why I'm asking you, this particular one, whether you know the owner. Can he define what he means by no? Because, Mr. Chairman, in fairness to me, a lot of these, they come to my office or they, I meet them outside. Some of them I knew even before I became Minister for Food and Agriculture. And Honourable Minister, it's a company, is that right? Yes. It's a company, so there yes. will be an owner, so to speak. Yeah, so... If there's any specific person you want to ask, after otherwise, owner will be inappropriate. The, the, one of the, any of the directors? Do you know any of the directors? Uh, the, the directors mean, are not necessarily owners of the company. But you said owner. And I don't know who owns AMG. But I know managers and uh, some directors who work for that company. And so do I know managers and owners of uh, directors of many, some of these many, many companies that I deal with. So you also know some of the directors or managing director, man, uh, managers of AgroWaves? AgroWave. I don't. Do you know Ernest Apia? Who is he? Asking whether you know Ernest Apia. I want you to define what is no. If I somebody oh, that do, I know any, do you know any person called by, uh, by that name? Yes, I, I know someone called Enesapia. Is he related to AMJ Company or AgroWave? I know that he's a director of AMG Company. Do you have an idea when his company was? Registered. How would I know? I don't have any idea about these companies. <laughs> how, how do you expect me to know? Uh, are you aware that they've been supplying fertilizer to the planting for food and jobs over the past four years? Oh, this is what I'm saying. Hundreds of companies have been supplying fertilizer to us. Are you also aware that they alone? supply close to 50% of all the fertilizers that are supplied by the, to the ministry. I'm not aware of that. 
Mr. Minister Nominee, the price of MPK fertilizer in the open market is about 110 cities. Is that right? I cannot have the check. The subsidy on the fertilizer within the program planting for food and jobs is, as your ministry put out, supposed to be 50 percent, right? It has been up to now. And farmers are asked to buy at the subsidized price of 85 cities. Are you aware of this? There are official prices for the 50% subsidy, which every farmer is supposed to pay. Of course, in some cases, either the retailers, there are all kinds of things which go on. So the policy is 50% subsidy. If anybody gets less than that, then they are being cheated out of, of pocket. Are you aware that the, it is being sold to farmers as 85 cities? That's the question I just asked. I'm not aware. Will you find out? Because that is the price at which farmers are, they are being sold, the fertilizer. We have monitors, Honorable Chairman, we have people all over this country who monitor these things to us. And that has not been one of the complaints that we are getting. So I don't know where he's getting his information and where how many farmers are paying 85 and so on and so forth. I am not aware at all from the monitoring system that we have all over the country. We have no record of anyone reporting that they are selling above the subsidized price. Mr. Chairman, in an answer to an earlier person, he was heard saying that Ghana's cocoa, we sell at a premium of about between 200 to 300 British pounds. Is that right? Can you repeat the question? I'm saying that when you were answering a question earlier, you said that Ghana's cocoa is being sold at a premium of between 200 to 300 British pounds, pounds sterling. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Depends upon the market. I was just making an illustration. And in 20, in 2019, 2020 season, we ended with a little over 700,000 metric tons, right? Cocoa. I wouldn't know. Minister for Agri, you can't remember the tonnage that we sold Ghana's cocoa at? I cannot come in front of this important committee and just give a figure. I have to be sure to the last unit what I'm saying. So basically I'm saying that I need to refer to the records and I don't have those records here with me. Thank you. Chairman, last year we did over 750,000 metric tons. And if I take even the 700,000 alone and use the, the, the bottom of 200 pounds, it gives us 140 million pounds that came by way of premium alone. And my question to the nominee is, how much of this has the farmers benefited? I have to check with Ghana Cocoa Board.
Pensama, to Gapoha, when earlier questions were asked, I just want to find out from the nominee whether he directed the Gapoha authorities to issue a license to food terminal company limited. No, I didn't. And also, an earlier answer to a question, you said that the Ministry of Food and Agriculture had an agreement with Gapoha for this terminal in 2008. Did I hear you say that? Yes. And was it in the name of the Ministry of Food and Agriculture, or it was in the name of a different company? Ministry of Food and Agriculture. You said it was in the name of the Minister of Food and Agriculture and not Fruits Experts, Fruit Terminal Company Limited. The Ministry of Food and Agriculture had an agreement with the, the food exporters. I've forgotten the name of the, that they gave to the food exporters. And that agreement was signed on behalf of the ministry and the government by the late Deborah, Honorable Deborah, who was then the Minister of Food and Agriculture. Have you, have you made this statement anyway, that the board of Fruits and Aspect Terminal Ghana Limited has created bottleneck to the export of fruits through the and the operations of this fruits and export terminal Ghana Limited are unduly adding to the cost of supplying horticultural product export outside Ghana. Have you made this statement anyway? Never. A statement made outside my office or inside my office, no. There's been correspondence between me and the Minister for Transport, uh, copied to Gapoa and the other ones. But I've never made a statement that you are quoting. In your letter to the Minister for Transport, did you make, did you ask, did you make this allusion? I have to read the letter again to, uh, to say anything about the contents. Are you aware that Gapoa had a concession agreement which was executed on May 18, 2015 with Fruits Export Terminal Company Limited? I'm not aware. Will you be surprised if you are told that this contract is still is still in force that has been signed by Gapoha and Fruits Export Terminal Ghana Limited? Mr. Chairman, nothing surprises me in this work. As the Minister designated for Food and Agriculture, if approved, will you want to see this? concession terminated? I am yet to be appointed. 
approved by this committee. And I'm not prepared to make any comment or speculate on any action for my future. You are the minister, you are the representative of the president and the minister of food and agriculture currently. And as we speak, you still have some authority of the president to act within the ministry. Will you want to see this contract or concession agreement terminated? The instructions are that I'm just keeping the fort, not to make any commitment financial or otherwise in this capacity as acting in the name of the president. So I cannot. Well, so I want to find out from the nominee, from 20, in 2017-2018 cocoa season, whether the price of cocoa was increased. That is our way. Which period again? 2017-2018 season. Whether you are aware whether the price of cocoa was increased for the ordinary farmer. I have to check. Do you remember the the current price of cocoa per bag? I have to check. Mr. Chairman, in 2017, the price 2017, 2018, 2016, 2017, the price of cocoa per bag in Ghana was 475 cities. In 2017, 2018, there was no increase. In 2018-2019 season, it was increased to 515, and then in 2019-2020 season, it was increased to 660 and mr chairman from 2017 all the way to 2020 the price increase is 39 percent mr chairman i want to find out from the nominee whether he thought this pricing is fair to the farmer honorable chairman it's really in my business is not to determine what is fair or not. These, according to the market conditions, are the prices given to the producers. So it's really not a question of fairness or is the reality of the market which it takes what producer price is given to the farmer at the time. Chairman, I'm asking this because in the relation to the price of meat and the way it's been increasing, you said that people should not just look at the, the nominal figure. They should be looking at the real. But when it comes to the cocoa farmer, where you have to pay, you had done this 39%. I wanted to know whether by that assertion with the maize pricing, whether you thought that in real terms, the farmer is not worse off. I cannot make that assessment. Mr. Chairman, I want to find out from the Premier, why has he eliminated cocoa revenue from the national budget since 2017? Mr. Chairman, this is a, a, a question for the Minister for Finance. Mr. Chairman, that's why I'm asking the, the Cocoa Board used to be under Minister of Finance, and they always report the revenues in the tables. And since it was ceded up to Minister of Agriculture, all of a sudden it vanished from our national budget. And since 2017, it has not. So that's why I'm asking whether 
why he has gotten it off the budget since 2017. The law, the law that took many, uh, cocoa board back to agree was just last year. No, but we all were communicated and that. Sorry. If he, uh, the reporting is not his business, you will just tell us so we move on. Honourable Minister, are you responsible for reporting? That, that's why, Chairman, uh, I said that it's for the Minister of Finance to answer. Mr. Chairman, the Ivy Rice project, the collapse, in an earlier answer, he gave an answer that wasn't very clear. Can you, can I get the understanding? In, in an earlier answer to a question about the Ivy Rice project, about its collapse, I wasn't very clear about the answer you gave. Will I be how, yeah, will answer, I, What he said was that there's a litigation with the ministry. That is ongoing, and the mini, uh, private people have taken over the land. That was very clear in the record. So, ask any question on that if you may. So, if, the, if private persons are encroaching the land when the ministry is in litigation with the farm, what is the ministry doing to safeguard the land since they are in litigation? We try our best with the resources we have, and it's not only available, it's all over the country. Lands of the ministry are being encroached left and right. We are fighting back, but it looks like a losing battle, but we are doing the best we can. Mr. Chairman, the minister is saying looks like a losing battle. Do I get the impression that it's like he's giving up the fight to protect the lands that the Minister of Food and Agriculture has across this country that badly need protection from him? Mr. Chairman, I'm a fighter. I don't give up at all. Yeah. I'm just giving you the current situation that we have been invaded, left and right center, and, and that's, 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 that's what I meant by that. Chairman, I have a point of interest. Honorable uh, nominee, Honorable Yaga said you've been playing tennis. And because he was going to settle scores, because we we're always beating him. Have you been playing tennis with the, uh, the chief, the chief with, from Asawasi as well? Uh, I, I don't know whether he's ever heard about it before, but uh, don't don't take him <laughs> No, no, but would you want to take him to the tennis court? Because he's been your good friend. Um, he's been your good friend. Yeah. You know, he has his lenses down, and he's asking his questions down. Okay. Mr. Chairman, in an answer to an earlier question, he, about the army worm, the minister gave us these statistics, that in 2017, we had to struggle to protect 249,000 hectares of land, only about 14,000 hectares were destroyed. Then in 20, the following year, it dropped to just 79 hectares. The subsequent year, it further dropped to 26 hectares. And he was telling us on authority that in 2020, 
no farm was destroyed by the army when Mr. Minister Nemli, this is what I heard you say. Is that what you said? That's exactly what I said. Minister Nomine, I'm sure a lot of farmers who are listening to us will not be happy with you because I can tell you that in 2020, yes, we are still battling with armyworm. Yes, the devastation is not as before, but we still have farms being destroyed. Will you investigate this? The report for the monitoring for the end of 2020 has not reach me. We are still in the first quarter. There's always a, 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 a relay, but up to the time the last report came, there was no destruction. Zero destruction. Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. Honorable Deputy Leader, do you have a question for your minister? <laughs> Chairman, with what uh, minority do you have has done he's covered all my areas <laughs> he's covered all my areas thank you so much <laughs> honorable minister thank you for attending upon the house to answer questions <laughs> you have endured us for nearly five hours <laughs> you're you're discharged colleagues please don't leave we have a quick quick announcement that i invent Joy 99.7 FM. Hey, um, sir. Wow. Why is everyone speechless? Because DSTV is offering you the same mind-blowing entertainment at a fraction of the price. Huh? For a limited time only, get an HD decoder, dish and installation, plus one month of DSTV access, cut down from 229 Ghana CDs to just 199 Ghana CDs. That's ridiculous. Before it's too late, get the best for even less with DSTV. SMS 1731. This is your moment. change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Winning strategies, nuggets of wisdom, unforgettable stories, all in one inspirational hour. Springboard your virtual university with Albert and Comfort Okran and guests. Planning is bringing the future into the present. A job is for the salaries, mundane, is survival oriented and there's no passion, but a career has fulfillment, innovation, drive, a growth path is clear and you can build step by step all the way to the top. Matriculate at 7 p.m. and graduate at 8 p.m. every Sunday on Joy 99.7 FM and live on Facebook. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and Joy 99.7 FM and proudly sponsored by MTN, Enterprise Group, UMB Bank and Axis Pension Trust with support from the graphic business. Eighty-nine, oh, 
89. Hey, it be 89 pay. Go TV Go TV is giving you a special independence offer. Get your Go TV decoder. Go tenner and one month plus subscription at a discounted price of 89 Ghana CDC pay. Now enjoy over 45 local and international channels today in digital clear pictures. I'm for Duwado. We a special independence limited offer. Intimates like a crack. For the best in entertainment, visit any Go TV accredited dealer or SMS Go TV to 99.7 FM. Keep the frequency clear. 99.7. The station with the best, 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 best music. Best music. I love the music. Best music. Joy 99.7 FM. Keep the frequency clear.
And I say keep on listening to George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. All your sports news in the locker room. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Adu Jr. Tennis leads the way this weekend and his eyes to the right in Australia as the first Grand Slam delivers the two champions in male and female singles. Mugaruka down the line with the forehand and it's gone long. And Naomi Osaka has won the match. 4-6, an hour and 55 minutes. And Naomi Osaka is into the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. Dimitrov serve kicks up defensively by team. Forehand is going to be good enough from Game, Grigor Dimitrov. Dimitrov. He has uh, beaten Dominic Team today to Six, and moves Six, through four. to the quarterfinals. Game serves back and return. It's going to go long. Three-time Grand Slam winner Naomi Osaka is thirsty for a four title and a second in Australia. Novak Djokovic is free to call for a 19th Grand Slam title and a record-extended ninth Aussie crown. We have a preview ahead, including the good, bad and ugly at the Rod Laver. There's football as well, the continent to come. Jeffy Chester hit the ball nicely to win. And that's the first goal! If Kamasi Asante got to go, we'll have a goal! It should be Kwame Poku! Two goals to one. Lifeline for Kamasi Asante.
Asante Kotoko attempts the improbable turnaround of the first leg half confederations cup deficit when they travel to Algiers to face Etenti Setif. Setif are 2-1 up in the tie and will bring you updates from both camps. Across the ocean and Manchester City are in the process of snatching the EPL title this season. Foden, Foden with a downward header and there is Sergio Aguero and Manchester City the holders get the first goal and it's Sergio Aguero once again. He's got such a good record here at Wembley. Uh, and it's headed down Lazaro and knocks it past Lazaro, beats two men, low cross in, oh great finish from Pepe, Arsenal up and running in the second half. Pep's men face Arsenal in the clash of the weekend and we look forward to the game and dwells involving Chelsea, Manchester United, struggling Liverpool, Spurs amongst other ones. We have our taps on the Scudetto race with AC Milan losing gas, Inter Milan and Juventus taking advantage. We're in Spain, Germany and France too. If you'd love to send us a message, we'd love for you to send them via social media accounts on joy slash 99.7 on Facebook, 0551 on WhatsApp, or tweet at us at joysportsgh. We'll be around the grounds to bring you a preview of the Ghana Premier League match day 15 and in Mauritania to bring you up to speed with the ongoing CAF Under 20 Nations Cup. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adi Jr., and welcome. And of course, a big welcome to the locker room. We're on here for about 25 minutes. Let's see what we can put in this. Obviously, it's an abridged version of the locker room that you enjoy every Friday because here yeah, we had uh, some vetting from Parliament. Now, let me quickly tell you about the scores that you were chasing. Ghana's joined goalless with Morocco in the under-20 Africa Cup of Nations ongoing in Mauritania. We'll be giving you updates on that. We know that Adriana Stars lost to Ashanti Gold there by four goals to nail. And there is Wolves versus Leeds to come shortly in the English Premier League. Now, though, let's look forward to the Australian Open finals, uh, the female singles and the male singles. It's tennis. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Sarko goes deep to the backhand of Williams. Williams next. Williams hopes on the 24th major title of gold. Osaka moves into the final. It is locked this time. Djokovic at match point. He serves down the centre. And it's... And the number of Serbian flags are thrown around the Labour Arena. Serena Williams left her Australian Open News Conference in tears after her semi-final defeat by Naomi Osaka. The American great saw her latest bid for a record equal in 24th Grand Slam title, ended by Japan's three-time major champion Osaka, who won 6-3-6-4. She gave the crowd inside the Rodleva Arena a long wave goodbye with a hand over her heart, leading to questions over the 39-year-old's future. You put your hand over your heart. What was going through your head in that moment? Um, I don't know. The Aussie crowd is so amazing. So it was nice to see wondered if this is you were almost saying farewell um i don't know if i if i ever say farewell i wouldn't tell anyone so, <laughs> so. she was saying about the the unforced errors through the match considering how well you've played to get to this stage what do you feel 
cause that? Or was it just one of those bad days at the office? Oh, um, I don't know. I'm undone. Yes, yeah, Serena Williams there, very emotional as she cut short her media commitments there. The BBC's tennis correspondent, Russell Fuller, joins me now. Russell, Williams said at the end of that press conference, I'm done. Does that suggest retirement when she's missed out on that record equaling 24th Grand Slam? No, I think that was just her way of saying she'd had enough of that particular news conference. It was an emotional time for her given that she'd had a standing ovation from those on the Rod Laver Arena as she left the court after the straight sets defeat. And because she has worked very, very hard to get herself to in phenomenal shape, given the injury problems of the latter part of last year and the fact that she's now 39 years of age, she has been moving very, very well. She has been playing very well, but she was not good enough to beat Naomi Osaka and the future is uncertain. At least we assume it's uncertain. We don't think she's made any firm plans about her future. Who knows? She has spoken in the past about wanting to have another baby and the first childbirth was very stressful indeed she was in quite a critical condition at one point so who knows what her plans are but even if she plays on it's tough against Naomi Osaka and others as well younger players who might be 15 16 years younger than she is to be able to beat them when she's desperate to get over the line and equal Margaret Court's Grand Slam singles record so that's the question Russell do you think she will be able to match this record ever? I think she would still want to play all the Grand Slams. The French Open is the one that she would probably skip if she wasn't fully fit because she wanted to prepare for Wimbledon, but it's the Grand Slams that really make her tick. That's where she wants to be performing her best tennis. What is difficult for her is that the average age of the top 10 player right now is 25, and she is 39 years of age. She's still reached four Grand Slam finals and two other semi-finals since coming back to the tour after giving birth to Olympia and on most occasions she's come up against an inspired opponent especially in those Grand Slam finals where she was beaten by Osaka, by Bianca Andreescu, Angelique Kerber Simona Halep. She could perhaps benefit from an easier draw one time and that happens draws open up in Grand Slam tournaments and she's Serena Williams so of course she's capable of winning another one but you have to say it looks less likely now What about Naomi Osaka about her performance against Serena? Aside her performance against Serena, would you have her as the favourite? She's up against Jennifer Brady on Saturday. How will she cope with the occasion? She doesn't know how she's going to feel on Saturday. She was certainly very, very nervous by her own admission as she tried to close out the semi-final, eventually taking the deciding set 6-4 on a fourth match point against Karolina Mukova of the Czech Republic. Brady played an exceptional match in the US Open semi-final against Naomi Osaka probably the match of the year on the women's side last year huge power high quality no fans on that occasion fans can bring added pressure Osaka is used to it and she's the best player in the world I don't care what the rankings say they're calculated at the moment on a two-year basis rather than an annual basis because of the pandemic but it's been quite clear that ever since the tours resumed in August she's not lost in that time she's currently the best player in the world and she's looking a complete player one who's very very good at finishing matches and dealing with the big occasions
I've reached my first final. Yeah, that's that's all I was thinking about the last game, serving. I was like, okay, let's just zone in here, and, and I'm in the finals. I wasn't thinking about how, how good of a match or how, how tight the score was in the semifinals. It was just looking ahead into the finals. Even just before coming to Australia, um, I was feeling fit uh, physically and mentally, so I think um, I'm just excited to be playing in the finals here. Right? I have this mentality of people don't remember the runners-up, um, I mean, you, you might, but, like, the winner's name is the one that's engraved. So I think I fight the hardest in the finals. Um, and I think that's where, you know, you sort of set yourself apart. There's no doubt in people's mind who the men's favorite is, of course. The world number one, Novak Djokovic. He was challenged at times in the semifinal, but still came through. How does Aslan Karatsev dig himself out of this situation? Match point number one is all Novak Djokovic needs. An ace down the tee. Djokovic into a ninth Australian Open final. A 28th Grand Slam final. He's needed just shy of two hours to end the challenge of Karatsev. So, Russell, can we look past Novak Djokovic even with his abdominal issues? Well, I think... Daniel Medvedev in particular would be a very difficult final opponent for Novak Djokovic. Djokovic was made to feel uncomfortable by Karatsev at times, particularly in the second set, where Karatsev nearly recovered from 1-5 down to level it at 5-all, but he was able to win in straight sets in the end. And significantly, that stomach muscle problem now seems to be behind him. He says he felt no pain in the best he's felt in the entire tournament. He has had a lot of tennis, though, and he's had a stressful week. He's lost more sets than he'd expect Djokovic to drop, but he must be feeling pretty good about life. Certainly a lot, lot better about his chances in the this Australian Open that he did six days ago when he first picked up that injury against Taylor Fritz in the third round. You know, it's going to be, I'm, I'm ready for the battle for the toughest match of the tournament, without a doubt. Medvedev is playing on a extremely high quality. He's on a winning match streak over 20 matches won. He's, he's just the man to beat, you know. For me, it's all about experience. So, for example, I played one Grand Slam final already. Uh, for sure was tight in many moments there. Uh, sometimes it helped me, sometimes not. So I know what it is like and I know what I have, how it's going to be on Sunday. So experience is a key and uh, same. That's why I say I didn't have uh, this experience with the crowd for almost a year. So these uh, moments, they, they go away from your mind. And uh, as you say, I had uh, not a double breakpoint, but two breakpoints in 3-1. Uh, uh, he played them good. I uh, could have done a little bit better, but it's okay. It happens. Uh, then you know, but yeah, as you as you asked me, uh, experience from the last Grand Slam final is is going to be a big uh, big key to to not get tight and to just uh, play your game. Thank you very much, Russell, for your time. And of course, we look forward to the finals tomorrow. We've got Naomi Saka up against Jennifer Brady, and then on Sunday morning, we've got uh, Novak Djokovic up against Daniel Medvedev. Now, time to get into the Choice Sports BBC Two Series. John Bennett on hand as always. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And as always, such a pleasure to have you in the locker room. So, let's begin with the most talked about youngsters in football. Paris Saint-Germain's Kylian Mbappe and the player you have personally followed, Ellen Haaland. Great to see them do so well, so young. But what does it take to be in the Messi-Ronaldo special bracket? 
And is there any reason why we should be optimistic? Hi, George. Great fun to watch those two in action, wasn't it, in, in midweek? Great to speak to you again, by the way. What it takes is them to continue what they're doing because you look at their numbers at the moment and if you compare Haaland and Mbappe to Messi and Ronaldo at that age, around 2021, 22, then they are on course. They're getting better numbers than Messi and Ronaldo were at that age. But what Messi and Ronaldo did was they did it consistently and they got better and better year in, year out. They kept improving and they've been consistent well into their early 30s and mid-30s, which is what makes them stand out from the rest of the crowd. So, of course, Mbappe and Haaland still have to prove that. We've seen great players in their early 20s before, haven't we, fade away? The likes of Michael Owen, who got amazing numbers in his early 20s, but nothing on the scale of Mbappe and Haaland. But then he, he kind of faded away due to injury. So we really hope that they stay fit and healthy, first of all, and, and then if they want to prove that they're as good as Messi and Ronaldo, then it's about playing consistently and getting those numbers consistently, performing well consistently. They're very different, though, aren't they, to, to Messi and Ronaldo? And I think we should just enjoy them for what they are. I mean, Mbappe just completely inspired PSG, didn't he, against Barcelona? Who were, and PSG were missing Neymar, but Mbappe took the mantle and was sensational. And Erling Haaland, his two goals were brilliant. My favourite was after the 1-2 with Jadon Sancho. Brilliant finish. And what I like about both of them is that they've got their feet on the ground, but also they are, they are real winners. They have a great winning mentality. Let's talk about the now then, because many pundits after watching the two giants, Ronaldo and Messi, almost suffocate in the Champions League matches in midweek, have begun to subscribe to the school of thought, singing an end of an era. Is there any reason to expect more from these two in the coming years? Well, the end of the era has to come at some point, doesn't it? I, I don't think we should write them off just yet. What I worry about Messi is that if he stays at Barcelona, this is a team that looks way off at the moment and could take a number of years before they're back on the level that Barcelona used to be. Ronaldo still has a chance of winning this season's Champions League. Let's not write him off. I know they lost the game against Porto, but they'll... They'll, they'll take the second leg. I, I think it'll be a very different game. Um, going back to Italy, it'll be very, very different. And I could see Juventus still still going through. Ronaldo should have won a penalty in the last minute of that game as well. So let's not write them off just yet. But my worry is, particularly with Messi, that he's in a team, unless he leaves in the summer for, for Manchester City or Paris Saint-Germain, at the moment he's in a team where they're, they're, they're going to struggle relatively speaking they're not going to be the Barcelona of old so maybe he does need to move on in the summer so it appears Lionel Messi may well leave Barcelona at this rate when the season culminates but aside money constraints how many teams around the world will be able to accommodate him are you tempted to think Manchester City well the only two clubs who could afford him are Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain but interestingly my excellent colleague Simon Stone great reporter particularly when it comes to the two Manchester clubs saying that Manchester City are distancing themselves from any efforts to sign uh, Lionel Messi. So that leaves Paris Saint-Germain. Listen, Pochettino's there, an Argentine manager uh, who has links to, to Messi. Possibly it could happen, but I don't It's very difficult with the finances involved because it was revealed in the Spanish media what Lionel Messi earns. It is a huge amount of money. So even if it's, if it's a free transfer... You're talking about a massive amount of money in wages. So it's only Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain that can afford it. I, I'm really struggling at the moment to, to, to think about Messi leaving Barcelona. And if he stays at Barcelona, then it's a team that's going to struggle for the next three or four seasons. 
John, so it's Arsenal and Manchester City headlining the English Premier League this weekend. Pep City now have a healthy 10-point gap at the top. Is the EPL title race, though, surely over now? Yeah, the title race is over. That's done and dusted. Ten points clear now. Manchester City of second place, Manchester United. The question is now, can they win the quadruple? They're still in the EFL Cup final. Remember, they've got that to play in April. Uh, They're in the FA Cup. They're favourites to win the FA Cup. Long way to go, but uh, they got a decent draw, didn't they, in the next round. The Champions League is the one that's always kind of got away from them. But is this their opportunity now, particularly if... They wrap up the Premier League title early. Will they be, be able to rest players and uh, and take the Champions League really as the big priority? So the question is not if Manchester City will win the title. It's whether they can win the quadruple. To the game. And we love to see Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta battles over and over again. How will this one be won or lost? Well, what I like about this Manchester City team at the moment is that they are ruthless. At the start of the season... Sometimes they struggled, didn't they, when it came to to scoring lots of goals against teams, even against teams like Fulham. They weren't killing off games, but now they're they're, they're managing to kill off games. So where where will it be won and lost? If Manchester City turn up as they did against Everton, where they made it look really easy. I know it went to 1-1 at one stage, but you always knew that Manchester City were going to win that game. So if if, if Manchester City turn up and play even 80%, then they win the game. Arsenal have to play at 100%. They have to have the likes of Martin Odegaard, who's impressed so far, playing at, playing at top level. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at top level. All of their top players have to perform at top level and they have to hope that Manchester City have an off day. If Manchester City turn up 80%, even 70% of their, of their, of their level, they win the game. John Kepa with the Valaga was given his chance in the Premier League again, with manager Thomas Tuchel insisting that what Mendy remains his number one. How reassuring is this for Kepa? And do you doubt Tuchel will be tempted again to do this. This is really interesting for me because when I saw Kepa playing the other day, I thought maybe Thomas Tuchel, in getting the job, has been told to make Kepa his number one because they spent a lot of money on him. Under Frank Lampard, he fell out of favour. Quite rightly, his performances weren't up to scratch. So I thought maybe the owners, maybe the board have said to Tuchel, listen, we want Kepa to be our number one because we paid a lot of money for him. Get the best out of him. But then he says that Edouard Mendy remains his number one so it's a really interesting was he what was he doing bringing Kepper in for, for, for that Premier League game the other day was he trying to get his confidence back uh, was he sending a message to him that he's still involved was he sending a message to the board really interesting maybe it puts a pressure, bit of pressure on Edouard Mendy now to perform maybe he's trying to get the best out of Edouard Mendy but listen Tuchel is doing a great job so far they can make it six wins in a row can't they at the weekend if they beat Southampton. I think there's already an identity in this Chelsea side and I, I think he's got the respect of, of the players as well. I love the, the fact that he's brought in brought back the likes of Alonso. He's made the team his own, hasn't he? Even though he's only been there a few weeks. John, so the champions had a great night in the Champions League against RB Leipzig. Next for them is the Messi side derby with a slightly deflated Everton. Is that a good reason to get three points on the board? Huge confidence boost, wasn't it, going into the Merseyside derby to get that win against RB Leipzig. I was delighted for Liverpool, I was delighted for Jurgen Klopp, who's obviously had a lot to deal with, hasn't he, in his personal life, and we, we all wish him well. So massive confidence boost, and I think they will do well against Everton this weekend. Uh, I think it's all set up for them to get back to form. Obviously, they're out of the title race, but I, I do feel 
that this weekend it's set up for Liverpool to get back to winning ways in the Premier League. Mohamed Salah looks back on form, Sadio Mane looks back on form, and they're getting players back to fitness as well. Still, the question marks about the defence, but it's a huge game, isn't it, in the race for the top four because it's sixth against seventh, only three points separating the two teams. So, yeah, really, really happy for Liverpool to get back to winning ways and looking forward to this Merseyside derby. John, let's end with the other games to come. What should we expect when Newcastle visit Manchester United at Old Trafford? Villa play Leicester City and West Ham take on Spurs in the London derby. Well, George, I'm glad you've mentioned Leicester City. Uh, it's, that's not me telling you to mention Leicester City. You did that off your off your own off your own bat. So I'm happy you've mentioned <laughs> the team I support, Leicester. I'm really looking forward to that game against Aston Villa. My worry is that Leicester played in the Europa League in midweek. Villa had a week off, so there could be a bit of tiredness. And interestingly, Brendan Rodgers picked his strongest team against uh, against Slavia Prague in the in the Europa League. So tiredness could be a factor. West Ham against Spurs will be interesting. Will Deli Ali? Will Gareth Bale start in that game against West Ham? Are they really back in the fold? Let's see when he has to pick a strong lineup in in the Premier League. Jose Mourinho and Newcastle against Manchester United. Newcastle still a bit nervous because Fulham are playing well at the moment, and Newcastle are just six points off the drop zone so still a few nerves around at Newcastle can they get a result against Manchester United not if Bruno Fernandes turn. Uh, the BBC's John Bennett there with a wrap looking forward to the weekend yes we know that we've got Arsenal versus Manchester City for you on the sports arena. That's at 4 p.m. on Sunday. You want to join us, 4.30 p.m., but we start at build up at 4 p.m. There's also the Ghana Premier League match day 15 action. Here is uh, Harina Mubarak with a wrap. Disquieting news for Accra House of Folk as they enter match day 15 of the season without a substantive coach and an assistant. It was after the two technical members tendered their resignation letter for a reason precisely unknown. House under 15 head coach Samuel Ninoy is expected to lead the team out of the tunnel against Ebusia Dwarfs on Sunday. The Phobians are winless in their last four matches and face a difficult task when they welcome Dwarfs who seek to return to winning ways after losing to Karela United in their last game. Basement boys in Tyler's have gone seven matches without a win and will further nail their coffin if they fail to get all three points against Wafa in Accra. Before last week's 2-2 draw at Liberty Professionals, Allies had lost six straight matches and slipped into the relegation zone. Wafa are also in a bit of trouble after going three games without a win, including two defeats on the road. Inconsistent Brecombe Chelsea side welcome informed Dreams FC at the Golden City Park. Seth Hoffman's side continue to blow hot and cold, but not losing in their last three games could be evident that they have rediscovered their form. Meanwhile, Dreams FC are more or less playing their best football in the division as they are yet to taste a defeat in eight matches under new head coach Vladislav Veric. Elmina Sharks have won one of their last five games. It is imperative to secure a win when they come up against Mediama Sporting Club. Carolina United will be hoping to return to winning ways at home at the Crosby Ewa Memorial Park after their shock defeat to Kotoko when they welcome struggling Liberty Professionals. The scientific soccer lads are in the relegation zone and therefore must up their game if they are to secure any point in Enyinyase. Bechem United will look to rekindle their title challenge when they host Legon Cities and Great Olympics lock horns with 11 wonders. A win for the Wonder Club could lift them to the summit of the table depending on other results. 
And of course, that's about it then for a British version of the locker room time to hand over to the team. The weekend warmer, Chester App, Iggy, DJ Black, the whole team getting themselves ready. But we'll have to tell you again uh, so that you keep that in mind. We've got a special weekend coming up, special weekend coming up. And uh, we're looking at all the Ghana Premier League action. We're looking forward to the Australian Open finals, yeah, the singles finals and of course the doubles. And then, yeah, there is a big, big, big one there, right? Arsenal versus Manchester City. Live commentary. Gary Smith will be here to give us all of that. So that's it for our show. My name is George Adi Jr. There's more to come here. Do not go and do not touch your dial as well.